if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are rolling now at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday, the ninth morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021. Thanks so much for being with us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we are going to talk with Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform, because the left, the Biden Harris slash Harris Biden administration, has already proven to have lied to you. They said no taxes will be increased on anybody making under $400,000 a year, except for all of the taxes that are going up on people who make under $400,000 a year. It is astounding that they could even look the American people in the eye during the campaign and make that claim, knowing full well that almost every action they took was going to result in a tax hike. It might not be an income tax hike per se, whereas it is your rate goes from X to Y or Y to Z, but it is absolutely a new massive tax burden that is being foisted upon the American people by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And we will talk about that with Grover Norquist at 935. Then at 1010, you might expect me to say it's Tuesday, so it's cursing out day, but you would be wrong today. Not about it being Tuesday. I can verify that. Hold on, let me check. Yeah, it's still Tuesday. Kersenow is off today. He will be with us on Thursday instead. He has got some very important testimony to prepare and uh, a very important case, as a matter of fact, and an argument that he's making. So he's uh, going to be tied up today. He'll be with us on Thursday morning's program. So our number two <clears throat> will be wide open to you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Don't forget, you can also use our message line if you've got something to say but you can't wait on hold. And if it's worthy of it, I'll play it on the air and we'll talk about it later. 216-525-1806 is the message line, the France message line, 216-525-1806. That will not get you live. It will give you a chance to record your message. And again, know that it will be or it may be used on the radio. All right, uh, we're going to start today not with the ridiculous Kabuki Theater trial being held in the United States Senate today. Now, I'm not going to completely ignore it. I don't think that would be responsible, but I am not going to give it life by giving it 24-7 coverage. It doesn't deserve that. The left does not deserve the attention and the spotlight 
that trying to impeach a private citizen from office that he no longer holds uh, deserves. They, they, they don't deserve the spotlight that that would give them. So I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to be providing you 24-7 coverage. I will occasionally give you you know, a clip or two just to remind you of the absurdity of it all. But I am not going to be giving this uh, attention. <clears throat> I'm not going to let my blood pressure get boiled up over it. I'm going to just kind of monitor it quietly, knowing the outcome already, because so do you. The Republicans are not going to convict President Trump. If not because of the unconstitutionality of the trial, then because of the merits of the case. Because of the fact that there is no case. The fact that this is nothing more than political punishment and retribution. Because Donald Trump, how dare he? How dare that celebrity outsider come into Washington and tell us he's going to drain our swamp? How dare he come in here and try to upset the apple cart that has made all of us rich and powerful in the history of history? How dare he come in here and try to expose it all? That's why they tried to impeach him from before he won the election. Doesn't that sound crazy? It really does. It sounds just kooky. Here's a man who hasn't won the election yet. Let's put together the impeachment plan. What? That's what they did, though. That was the that was the um, <clears throat> the fallback, the fail-safe plan that Peter Strzok talked about when he was talking to his FBI lover. You know, we've got a fail-safe in place. It's not just about stopping him from winning, but if in, the, in the unlikely event that he wins, this is what we'll do to get him out. And so they fabricated Russia, the collusion hoax. They fabricated the Ukraine thing. They started trying to impeach him before he won. They announced the impeachment 19 minutes after he was inaugurated. And now that he's gone, four years later, they're still trying to impeach him as a private citizen. This is all a part of political retribution. So outside of the occasional clip reminding you how stupid these people are, I'm not going to give this thing a ton of coverage. For example, clip one, Trey Gowdy, reminding you of how stupid the Democrats are. Yeah, I mean, once again, they they picked the dumbest of all impeachment articles. I mean, you got Kamala Harris with Amy Coney Barrett. Remember that mother of seven. And she's telling the whole world that Judge Barrett's coming after your health care and coming after your reproductive rights and coming after your voting rights. I mean, if you're dumb enough to believe that, that's going to incite you, too. So what the president's lawyers are going to do is play those clips and say, you know what, if you're going to start penalizing hot political rhetoric, let's do it for both sides. Amen. All right, Trey, we've got a busy week coming up. All right, shut up. Uh, yeah, that's exactly correct. Um, if you're going to start penalizing speech that says we've got to fight like hell for your country and take that to mean that you're going to use fisticuffs, you're going to use physical assault in order to, uh, quote-unquote, fight for your country, if that's what gets punished, in this country, that type of, type of political uh, jargon, we're going to fight for you, then you have to censure, if not outright remove, all of these people from the United States Congress. In the Senate, Democrats are going to fight like hell to make this a reality. Goodbye, Chuck. Americans who took to the streets this week have demanded change. With this legislation... Democrats are heeding their calls. Wouldn't wouldn't it have been something if Mitch McConnell had said, with the the riot on Capitol Hill, uh, the the people are how did he just phrase that uh, are expressing themselves or expressing their frustration or whatever it was or calling for change, and we are heeding their call. Can you imagine if Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the Senate at the time of the um, 
Actually, he wasn't because the new Congress had been sworn in. But uh, if Mitch McConnell or any other prominent Republican had said, we are listening, now we are heeding their call because we heard them at the Capitol, rather than condemning them at the Capitol. Because Chuck Schumer says, if people riot, we need to heed their call. Americans who took to the streets this week have demanded change. Here it is. With this legislation, Democrats are heeding their calls. When you take to the streets, you are demanding change. And Democrats are heeding the call of those who took to the streets to demand change. Okay, what if a Republican said, when Americans at the Trump rally took to the streets and to the Capitol, they were demanding change, and we are going to heed their call? No, we were told this is an insurrection against the government. Why is it an insurrection? Why is it condemnable only when it is done by the opposite party? You see, this is why I sit here daily on a throne of moral superiority over liberal Democrats. And I mean that very seriously. I believe myself and those with my ideology to be morally superior because we condemn all of it. I came on this radio show on January 7th, the day after the uh, the riot at the Capitol, and condemned everybody who went into that building, smashed any windows, even went in, because now you are participating in the trespassing mob, even if you didn't smash anything. I condemned all of it without ambiguity, without reservation, clearly, loudly, and repeatedly, in the same way that I condemned all of the violence in the streets of Minneapolis, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Oakland, Denver, Cleveland, I condemned it all because violent rioting, robbing people of their livelihoods, smashing windows, stealing and looting, setting fires, all of the damage done hurts people and it is illegal and I condemn it all. So I will sit here on a throne of moral superiority unapologetically when compared to somebody like Chuck Schumer, who says that the rioters at the Capitol need to be thrown in prison, and Donald Trump, who incited them in his ridiculous logic, needs to be impeached. But the rioters across America this past summer, well, they're just demanding change, and we need to heed their call. He is a hypocrite. They are hypocrites, and I will sit here in moral superior judgment of them for that. I will sleep well at night knowing that I and people of my ideology and people of the conservative movement in this country, people who believe in law and order, people who believe in the Constitution, that we are just because we condemn all of the violence. We condemn all of the rioting, all of the vandalism, all of it. They condemn only that with which they disagree or voters that they need to suck up to. So if they're going to play the Trump said let's fight like hell or you won't have a country to fight for anymore, if he gets impeached for that, then let's continue the impeachment parade. Heeding their calls. I want the people of Pennsylvania, the people all across this country to know that we are going to fight like hell to protect your vote, to secure your vote, and to make sure that your vote is counted. How confident are you that Kentuckians are going to have the ability to vote freely uh, in November? 
Well, I'll tell you, I'm confident that we're going to fight like hell to make sure they can. We are going to fight like hell to make sure that everyone who wants to vote can exercise that right to vote. This election is coming, whether the president wants it or not, and we're going to fight like hell in Congress to make sure that the mail still works. Today, Biden's VP Kamala Harris told supporters in a fundraising note that it is time to, quote, fight like hell to protect the Supreme Court following the passing of late Justice Ginsburg. That legacy of rights needs to be continued. I'm going to fight like hell. Speaking for myself, I'm going to fight like hell. Aaron, we're going to fight like hell. The reforms, we're going to fight like hell to get those reforms in. I, and I know many other senators and members of the House, will fight like hell to make sure that we act and act as soon as possible. I just have one thing to say about the next eight days. I'm going to fight like hell. We need a president who will go into the White House and will fight like hell to make sure they get the health care they need. Mitch McConnell believes that this fight is over. What Mitch McConnell does not understand is this fight has just begun. So that's it. That's all I'm going to do today. I'm not going to spend uh, breathless hours of coverage on this uh, ridiculous movement to punish a president for daring to challenge their status quo and that's all this is i'm not going to spend all of this time i'm going to point out the absurdity of it from time to time like i just did and that's going to be the end of it they are trying to impeach a president for saying let's fight like hell when that is something that they have all said if they one gets impeached then they all get impeached i know that the left is a party of standards those being double standards and i know that they believe that the rules for thee are not for me but i am telling you that as a country we can accept nothing less than equal treatment for all they want equal treatment they want equitable treatment well then let's practice equity if donald trump gets impeached for saying those words then so does every last one of them equal outcomes for all that's equity That's what you want. That's what you preach. That's what your agenda is driven on. You got it. Coming up on the program, we get away from the kabuki theater of this impeachment, and we get to the WHO's announcement this morning. Did you hear it? They are ready to pronounce the source of the coronavirus. They have found the answer. The WHO, owned and operated almost exclusively by communist has decided on whom to pin the blame for the outbreak of the worldwide pandemic. I'll tell you about that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get into it. The uh, news this morning. We all waited breathlessly for the World Health Organization to make its determination of what caused the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus that we have all come to know as the Wuhan virus or the Wuhan flu or the China flu or the Chinese coronavirus or the Kung flu, and it doesn't matter. We don't play politically correct games here. We know it came from China. And the World Health Organization says, yeah, it came from China, but 
not due to Chinese error or Chinese intent. It was an animal. They're going back to the argument that the Chinese coronavirus emitted or originated, rather, from an animal. Likely, animal to human, a mid-level sized uh, animal. Uh, here's the story. World Health Organization team investigating the origins of the COVID-19 virus in Wuhan announced Tuesday that the virus was likely spread from animal to to you that it was also extremely unlikely that it was a lab accident. I think it is much more likely that it was a lab intent. You heard me correctly. The Chinese Communist Party runs the labs. The Chinese Communist Party had a lot to gain, a lot to gain from a worldwide worldwide pandemic causing and creating economic havoc in the West, in particular in the United States. World Health Organization food safety and animal diseases expert Peter Ben Embarek said, Our initial findings suggest the introduction through an intermediary host species is the most likely pathway and one that will require more studies and more specific targeted research. However, the findings suggest the laboratory incidence hypothesis is extremely unlikely to explain the introduction of the virus to the human population. Therefore, it is not a hypothesis that we advise to suggest future studies into the understanding of the origin of the virus. I'm just going to stop there and tell you this. What the World Health Organization just did is they let the Chinese Communist Party off the hook, saying that it was accidental. It was, it was a human or an animal-to-human thing. Uh, nobody in, in Chinese government or Chinese policy could possibly have foreseen it or stopped it. Now, why am I reading this with such extraordinary uh, discontentment and distrust? Because you need to know what the World Health Organization is. The World Health Organization is controlled completely and wholly by, drumroll please, yeah, Communist China. The World Health Organization takes its marching orders from China, which is why President Trump wisely removed the United States from the World Health Organization. We were not going to be bound by its precepts. We are not going to be bound by its policies, its orders. We were going to be independent because they are not a reliable health organization. They're run by the Chinese communists. And that is not in dispute. I will prove that it is not in dispute after the news, which is coming up now. But you're going to want to hear this, because you're going to hear leftists all over the place today and in the coming days telling you that calling it the China virus, like President Trump called it, and so many of the rest of us did, is truly xenophobic, and it is truly racist, and it is also inaccurate, because it's not their fault that it came from an animal. That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to continue to try to virtue signal whenever we call it the China virus. And we are going to push back on them with the truth. The World Health Organization can be trusted about as much as John Kerry can be trusted on climate change as he jets from country to country in his private jet, emitting more CO2 into the atmosphere than probably anybody on the planet. If you trust John Kerry and his private jet on climate change, then go ahead and trust the World Health Organization on the origin of the coronavirus. The details after the news. AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, 935, we continue AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us this morning. We'll get back to the Wuhan flu and the WHO's Communist China Directive on what to blame the virus on in a few. But I want to return to the discussion of taxes I told you about in the beginning of the show. Joe Biden and his team and his campaign promised during the campaign that no one, no one in America who makes under $400,000 a year will see their taxes go up. Joe Biden was a liar. Then Joe Biden is a liar right now. Why and how? Because he is raising our taxes exponentially, in it, or as he would say, exponentially, because he's dumb. Uh, in a number of ways that they don't want to tell you about. Just because your income tax rate may not go up, it does not mean your taxes are not going up. Joining us now to analyze and tell us more about it is the president and founder of Americans for Tax Reform, Grover Norquist. Grover, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good to be with you. And, yes, uh, Biden was elected with a promise, uh, and as Americans for Tax Reform, we have a video of more than 56 times when Biden and Harris, his vice presidential candidate, said, no one's taxes would go up. No tax at all. Not just income tax. No tax would be imposed on any anybody uh, who earned less than $400,000. Uh, and we know both from his statements and from uh, his promises during the campaign and from his appointments that he is filling his administration with people who intend to do a great deal of tax increases. For instance, he wants to take the business tax, the corporate rate, from 21 up towards 35. Sometimes he says 35, sometimes he says 28. Uh, but in both cases, it would be higher than Communist China. So under Biden, when he was uh, vice president, it was a 35% rate. Uh, China would only take 25% of what you earned if you invested there. Biden and Obama would take 35. Uh, and you can imagine that is why a lot of American jobs and business investment and investment around the world flowed to China away from high-tax United States. The Republicans took that down to 21 we became quite competitive. Trillions flowed into the United States, uh, and we saw jobs increase. And in 2019 alone, the median income, not the average, the median, which means tens of millions of people have to move up to move the dead center median, uh, went up over 6% in one year, more than all eight years of Obama, the, the median income of American citizens. And that, and that continues to uh, have, in, 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 oh. into the future. So they want to take that corporate rate up and they say, oh, businesses pay that. Well, your utility bills will go up directly because utilities have the cost of what they do and then they add the federal taxes on and the federal taxes uh, go into the higher price that they charge you. So billions in utility bills will go up and Biden will look over to the side and go, oh, no, no, the companies pay for that. No, by law, all taxes flow directly through to consumers. So that's one uh, we also know that they've been advocating soda taxes, which are not just something rich people um, participate in. The carbon tax, it's a gasoline tax. If you drive a car, if you heat your home, if you have air conditioning, if you have natural gas or uh, uh, coal uh, power or uh, oil, um, if you fly in a plane, uh, even if you fly in uh, uh, John Kerry's jet, um, but uh, <laughs> if you just fly in a normal plane, you'll see the cost of all your airplane tickets go up, and everything that Amazon drops off at your house will cost more because the energy to do that will cost more. Uh, it's a series, a, a set of body blows. Uh, he wants to raise the capital gains back up to where it was under Jimmy Carter uh, when the economy was so weak that even the Democrats cut the top capital gains rate in half uh, over Carter's objection because it was so uh, destructive. Uh, 
median family of four earns $73,000 in the United States. Uh, if Biden does what he said he's going to do, which is get rid of the entire Republican tax cut, that's a $2,000 tax increase every single year. The child tax credit that 39 million Americans have will be cut in half if you get rid of the Republican uh, tax cut. Uh, and there was a, the 5 million Americans were hit by the Obamacare tax. If you remember that? That was the penalty for not buying Obamacare right. to make people do it. It's about a $700 to $2,000 um, tax based on uh, size of your family and so on. Uh, this tax was zeroed out by the Republicans. They said zero. Biden has said in front of cameras he will reimpose a tax on 5 million families, 5 million families of 700 to $2,000, not easily uh, afforded, and Three quarters, 75 percent of those people who's going to hit with that tax earn less than 50,000, not 500,000, less than $50,000. And he has bragged, grinning, that he would reimpose that tax on people. Uh, so it's and they're the ones that we you know don't even know about yet that they're probably yet to think up. Uh, but uh, those are the ones that they've been talking about now. It's a very, very damaging set of tax increases. Oh, the capital gains tax uh, goes uh goes up and the stepped up in basis uh, disappears. This is if your parents give you a house. Uh, in the old days, you would buy, get a house that's now worth $100,000 and you would pay capital gains on any new capital gains since you were given the house by your parents. Under uh, Biden, your parents, let's say, they've had appreciation in the value of a house. They give it to you, $50,000, maybe $100,000 appreciation. You get to pay taxes on that now. You can sell the house and do it. You can borrow against the house and do it. You don't have the cash to do it. You owe that tax now because you pay, it's not a taxable event under today's law. But Biden would make getting a, a house or a business from a parent uh, a taxable event at that time. Uh, Grover, we're talking to Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. Did you mention the 50 percent cut in the standard deduction for families that take that? Uh, yes. And uh, okay. that's, I, I may have missed that one in your big all list. I'm I, I was focused on the child tax credit, which would also which okay. would be cut in half. Okay, got um, it. What, what I wanted to ask you, though, Grover, about all of this is Biden isn't going to look into the camera and say all of these things. He did say what you mentioned about the individual mandate tax being returned, but uh, most of this is going to be put into play place by uh, his uh, budget director, and Neera Tandon. And uh, I know you know a lot about her. You've talked and written about her and what she stands for. Is she writing and establishing this policy as budget director, or is she just simply following you know, Biden-Harris orders? Uh Tandon understands all these issues. Uh, neither Harris or uh, Biden do particularly. Uh, he's really been kind of directed by staff. So okay. when he puts in the hard left staffers in key positions, you know, the world gets busy. President gets busy. Somebody blows something up, right? Uh, you put somebody head of office of management and budget whose first go-to position is raise taxes on everything that moves. That is what your administration will do. So, Grover, you, I want to sum total this now. You, you, if I heard you correctly, you said something in the neighborhood of uh, the average middle-class family of four is going to pay roughly $2,000 more in taxes uh, under Joe Biden and his, his first year uh, of his administration. And so just a little quick math, 2000 divided by 12 that's around $170 a month. 
families that are working their tails off, particularly in the pandemic, but even aside from that, just to make ends meet. In other words, those working paycheck to paycheck don't have $170 a month extra. They, they're going to have to choose. Do I not make this month's car payment? Do I not make this month's health premium payment? Do I not pay this, this month's car insurance? Whatever the case might be. Do I let the mortgage or the rent lag just a little bit longer because I got to pay 166 more dollars elsewhere or technically because my checks don't have 166 or 170 more dollars in them. Um, essentially, how much damage is that going to do to lower, mid, lower and middle class, lower middle class families? Well, when you add in the increase in the cost of energy, you increase in the cost of gas by about 20% is what most of their uh, carbon taxes uh, raise. And then it's increased 5% a year uh, out into the future. So it's a permanent increase in gasoline tax every year without Congress ever having to vote on it. A bunch of cowards. They want to put in an automatic tax increase that 20 years from now will be gouging the American people. And they'll just hold their hands up. They see, I'm not touching it. I didn't do it. Uh, It just happened because they want to make that a permanent increasing uh, tax hike. What about the rest of those items that you ran down, Grover? Are are all of those going to be just executive fiat the way he has done with so many other things? Or does the legislature have any say whatsoever in these, these increases? He will need Congress to pass most of the tax increases. The way he can hurt the economy by executive fiat is to close down a pipeline, for instance, and kill 10,000 jobs. Right. Um, he can do things that raise the cost of energy and kill jobs, but also raise the cost. With regulations, you insist that everybody use energy that isn't as efficient as real energy, wind or solar. Uh, that just makes the cost of energy go up. It's not tax. It's just a mandate that you buy energy expensively made. But it raises the price of everything you buy. And it puts into jeopardy uh, America's status as an energy independent nation, where we are a net exporter of energy rather than importer, which, of course, is, is remarkable when it was happening under President Trump. I just don't understand how this can be justified uh, to the American people, particularly when you know they, they stood before us going back to the beginning of our conversation and said, no one will see a tax increase unless you make $400,000 a year or more. Well, he thinks he can get away with it because he and Obama told a lie uh, when they won in 2008 that no one who earned more than $250,000 uh, would ever see higher taxes. And, of course, they did raise taxes on people who earned significantly less than uh, $250,000, specifically, as I was pointing out, the, the uh, penalty tax uh, for Obamacare, which hit mostly people under $50,000 a year. Uh, so the, the press you know, didn't catch him out on it. They sent out some flunky to sort of explain the uh, new rules and what, what they really meant by that. Because of that, that Americans for Tax Reform, we have put 56 televised statements where they make it clear that they're talking about no tax of any kind going up on anyone who earns less than $400,000 a year uh, because they're going to try and get away with the press ignoring that. They're going to try and have the press lie about it. I've tweeted on some of the things he said, and I can see liberals are, no, that's not true. He never said that. And I said, uh, open up the, the tweet. There are 56 televised statements where he said exactly that. Um, so there's some true believers on the left who just won't want to believe uh, what he did and what he's doing and what he promised. Uh, but our job is to make sure that every American knows that because we can stop the bleeding in two years if the Republicans take the House and the Senate, then no more tax increases, no more spending binges. You can still do stupid executive order things. 
Sure. But uh, again, uh, uh, Clinton only had two years of complete Democrat control, and so did Obama. They both scared the American people so much that they lost the House and the Senate, and they started with big majorities. Right now, they, uh, the Democrats very are slim. dead even in the House and the Senate, uh, and with redistricting and more people moving into red states and away from high-tax blue states, uh, we're seeing congressional seats move towards the Republicans. The Democrats will call it gerrymandering, but that's like the East German border guards whining that people run away. Grover Norquist, uh, really great information. We'll have to talk another time about gerrymandering and about those blue state Democrats moving to red states to avoid high taxes and then voting for Democrats to impose the same high taxes as the state that they just left. We'll talk about that another time. But Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, 948 now, the Bob France Authority, right back. Okay, 952. Uh, I want to get back to the Wuhan flu, which I will continue to refer to it as if I'm not calling it the China virus, which I will continue to refer to it as if I'm not calling it the Chinese coronavirus or the uh, China flu or the Kung flu or anything else that indicates that the Chinese Communist Party is responsible for this blight, this pandemic on the world. The World Health Organization, if you didn't hear me in the first segment of this half hour, decided today to make an announcement that it is extremely unlikely that the COVID-19 virus started in a lab in Wuhan, that it came from a, an intermediary host species, meaning an animal-to-human transmission. That's how this happened. It's not the Chinese communist government that was, that is responsible for this. Now, why is this a dubious claim? Because the World Health Organization is run by the Chinese communist government. The WHO's peddling of narratives from the Chinese communists uh, contributed to the spread of the virus from as early as last year. Last year at this time, January and February. Because the World Health Organization covered the CCP's rear end and did not allow immediate containment steps to be taken. It is well known. From the latest, uh, the latest indicator of WHO's fealty, the World Health Organization's fealty to the CCP, all you have to do is listen to the interview that was conducted between radio television Hong Kong journalist Yvonne Tong and Dr. Bruce Aylward, who was the leader of the WHO's joint international mission to China regarding the coronavirus from this past year. Now, I played this for you at the time, but you need to hear it again. This is how afraid the WHO is of crossing their masters in the Chinese Communist Party. This reporter doing an interview about the virus and about the WHO's response to the virus is asking Dr. Bruce Aylward of the WHO if the WHO is going to allow Taiwan to join the organization. In other words, allow Taiwan, which is under Chinese rule, some independence here. Listen to the question, then listen to the silence before listening to the answer. Now, there is, and you know, dead air is considered death in radio, okay? Understand, it's not dead air, uh, li- literally. It's the dead air as the WHO flunky pretends to not hear the question from the reporter about Taiwan, because she's pinning him. She's pinning him uh, to state whether or not Taiwan deserves membership in the WHO. 
knowing full well that his masters in the Chinese Communist Party are going to be listening and are going to listen to his answer. He pretends not to hear the question. Now, listen, now, there are some Asian accents here in the reporter, but it should be um, you know, understandable for you. Here you go. Would the WHO consider Taiwan's membership? Just to, just to be clear, she said, would the WHO consider Taiwan's membership? Now here comes that dead air I told you about as he sits there on video call, staring straight ahead, pretending to not hear the question. How do we know he's pretending? Well, keep listening. We, 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 I'm sorry, I can't hear. I couldn't hear your question. Okay, yeah. Let me let, let me let me repeat the question. No, that's okay. Let, let's move to another one then. I couldn't hear the question. Okay, let me repeat the question. No, that's okay. Let's move to another one. Why would you be opposed to her repeating the question if you didn't know what it was? If you don't know what she said, why would you be moving on to another question? But it gets better. Right, because because I'm I'm actually curious on talking about Taiwan as well on Taiwan's case. She said, "I'm actually consider or uh, uh, interested in talking about Taiwan as well, Taiwan's case." You know what he did then? He dropped the video call. This again is the World Health Organization Assistant Director, Assistant Director General rather, Bruce Aylward. On the call with a Hong Kong journalist asking about Taiwan, he dropped the call rather than let her ask about Taiwan again. So what did they do? They called back. They got it back on the line. We decided to give Dr. Alward another call to follow up. And I just want to see if you can comment a bit on how Taiwan has done so far in terms of containing the virus. Well, we've already talked about China. And, um, you know, when you look across all the different areas of, uh, of China, they've actually all done quite a good job. So with that, I'd like to thank you very much for inviting us to participate. And, uh, and good luck as you go forward with the battle in Hong Kong. He asked her specifically about Taiwan again. She asked him, rather. And again, he ignored the question, refused to say the word Taiwan, refused to answer whether Taiwan can be a part of the World Health Organization, instead just saying, uh, all of China has done a really good job. And with that, I'm out. The WHO is owned and operated by the, the com- communist Chinese. You understand that? So if you heard today, as I did this morning, that the WHO got to the bottom of it, it wasn't a lab. It wasn't some nefarious plot by the Chinese communists in Wuhan. This was a, an, an animal. It was an animal to human transmission. That's what started this. What do they call it? A, 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 a intermediary host species is responsible for this. It's not the Chinese government, so stop trying to blame the Chinese. Except for the fact that the World Health Organization is owned and operated by the Chinese. Understand that. Yes, they have a number of member nations. But none of them have the impact, and none of, none of them have the pull, none of them have the control over the World Health Organization leadership, quite like the Chinese communists do. So understand that. When you call it the China crisis, or, <laughs> I'm sorry, China virus, um, I made a joke on Facebook a, few, uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Joe Biden announced that we would no longer be allowed to say China virus because it's xenophobic and it's critical of our Chinese friends. No, it's not. Our Chinese friends, meaning the, the Chinese people, have no nothing to do with this whatsoever. 
Chinese Americans or any other Asian Americans, nothing to do with this at all, because we're not condemning them. We are condemning the Chinese Communist Party. The ones that have the actual Chinese people, as well as people of Hong Kong and Taiwan, under their authoritarian thumb. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. Anyway, Biden said we can't call it the China virus anymore, the way President Trump did, because it's mean and it's xenophobic. And I wrote on uh, my Facebook page, I wrote China virus about 3,600 times. Yeah, I did a copy and paste after a few, but uh, leave me alone. Anyway, I did a little joke there because back in the 80s, one of my favorite bands was, uh, new wave bands was China Crisis. So I did China Virus and China Crisis over and over and over again, so I made a mistake. But I'm going to continue to call it the China Virus, which you could refer to, if you wish, as a China Crisis. But it is China, and it is the Communist Party, and they are responsible. And we are not going to let the Chinese-owned World Health Organization pull the wool over our eyes. We may have been born at night, but not last night. You're not getting away with this. And we will continue to hold them accountable. And the investigations internationally should continue. All right, it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. Normally that would mean Kersenow is coming up in a few minutes. He is not. Peter Kersenow has the day off. He'll be with us on Thursday instead. So the next hour shall be yours at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Right here.